0: Well, here we are. We're talking to Pastor Margaret Court from Perth, Victory Life Center in Perth. But Pastor Margaret Court is not only a pastor, she actually is a very famous tennis player. She's an author. She's a humanitarian. uh, She's a public speaker. She has done so many amazing things. When she was an eight-year-old girl, she was hitting... A hairless ball against a garage wall time and time and time again. And then she went on to become one of the greatest tennis players of all time. And I'm not exaggerating everybody, off all time. 64 grand slams in singles, doubles, mixed doubles over the course of her 17 year career. Margaret is probably Australia's greatest athlete. And certainly if she's not, she would be one of the top three or four. Okay, but her achievement in tennis is utterly extraordinary. Now, before we go on to the fact that she's also a pastor of a busy church uh, and she is helping the poor in an amazing way, etc., etc., I just want to ask you a couple of tennis questions, if I may. I'm not a tennis player, I'm a pretty average guy, but I love watching the tennis, and it just seems to me a game of intense concentration and the ability, it's about your mind and having control of your mind and your emotions and connecting that with your body
1: would you agree i certainly would uh, warwick and i think uh you know probably all your training as a, a young person and uh, i think the coach that you have uh put so much into your life and uh you know as a as a young person you know that you have to be winning and you have to be probably a Uh, an age group above yourself, uh, to know that you're going to do something in tennis. And uh, as a little person, I've been very blessed throughout my life, particularly uh, playing tennis, that I had very good coaches. They believed in me more than I believed in myself. Uh, But I loved to win. And uh, that was always there in my life. I was a very good athlete as a young person. uh, I had eight boys in the street. I loved to beat them all. And um, did I did. Found... Yeah, I did in most things. And, uh, you know, I just found that was sort of built in me. And I think there was a, a determination there to succeed because I came from a family that had nothing. And we lived across the road from 24 grass tennis courts. And I sometimes wonder um, perhaps, would I have ever have played tennis if I haven't lived across the road from 24 grass tennis courts? So, um, and I used to watch people playing, and the men playing. And my first tennis racket was a paling off the fence because my family didn't have the money to buy a racket for me. So, and then a friend came along and gave me a big old racket. With the grip was too big for me even to hold hardly. And that was. And how old were you
0: again? Were you eight years? I would have been
1: about eight, about eight years of age there. And so, uh, you know, things are put into your life when you're little. And uh, so I used to watch, and t- Aubrey, my hometown, was a, a great uh, tennis centre. Had a lot of good country week champions there. And uh, so I was brought up with, uh, you know, there was players from that area that were top players. And so tennis was right in my, in the, in my eyes all the time. So, uh, but it does have a lot to do about the mind. You've got to believe in yourself. Uh, and but my coaches believed in me more than I really believed in myself.
0: Can you tell us one of the hardest moments in one of your winning matches and how you overcame those uh, those hard moments? Because sometimes the match, the matches go backwards and forwards for two or three hours, don't they? And maybe even longer. Tell us one of those moments from your point of view.
1: Probably uh, the year I won the Grand Slam, all the four majors in one year. I'd got to I'd won the Australian. I'd won the French. I got to Wimbledon, and in the quarterfinals I'd I'd uh, twisted my ankle, so I had to pull out of the mixed doubles and the doubles, and uh, I got through the... A, a doctor friend of ours said I was going to pull out of everything, and he said, if we put an injection in your ankle, it will last two and a half hours. I got through the uh, quarterfinals and semifinals quite easily. Then I played Billie Jean King in the final, and... Um, Just in that final, back then we didn't have tiebreakers. They were long sets and I won the first set uh, uh, 11-9, and then the second set uh, I won at uh, 12-10. But it went, the match actually went for two and a half hours and I knew if it went to a third set I wouldn't, uh, I would lose it because the painkillers would have worn off. And we didn't have breaks and things like they have now. Uh, way back in the early years, we didn't ha- even have a seat to sit on. Oh, wow. uh, but by the time that grand slam, uh, we, we had that because of television and things. Uh, but we didn't have anybody being able to come out or put another injection in or wrap your ankle up or anything like that. So it, it was a, a battle and I never forgot that one. And then I went on to America to win the Grand Slam so uh, you know uh, different tournaments or things you go through in life uh, they do stick there with you and uh, that was probably the match that stayed with me more than any
0: I'd like to come back to this uh, as we get into the interview because I find this correlation because Paul the Apostle talks about running the race uh, doesn't he Pastor Margaret and Paul the Apostle talks about fighting the good fight as a soldier Um, And so sport and even uh, military warfare, there's a lot of analogies that we can put into practice in our life. Would you agree with that statement?
1: I do. And uh, that scripture there in uh, Philippians, pressed towards the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And it's a bit like a marathon. And, uh, you know, we all go through things in life, but we've got to keep our focus on our Lord Jesus. And... uh, He's the author and the finisher of our faith, and we're running a race. And uh, it's so important in this life, and that's why it's so important to renew your mind to the Word of God, because that's where the battlefield is, whether you're an athlete or whether we're standing uh, for things and standing in faith and believing God. And uh, that's what it's all about, is uh, the mind and training, training your brain because You know, back in sport, we didn't have psychologists. We didn't have anybody to teach us those things. We had to really believe in ourselves, And that's why the Word of God is so important. And I think even uh, Christians today don't value the Word as they should because the Word of God is life unto those that find it, health to their flesh. Uh, That Word uh, can change nations uh, because we are, you could say we are his army and the earth. Uh, just a bit like the military. Uh, we're to stand and to stand together united. Stand saying the same thing, praying the same thing. Because uh, Jesus Christ has done everything and he's given to his church the authority and the power in this time uh, to stand on the word of God. Uh, because he and his word are one and we and our words are one. and. Um, you know, that's where God's waiting for his church uh, to stand together to move, uh, to bring heaven to earth. So words are powerful, whether you're an athlete, uh, you know, you, you even heard as an athlete, there was athletes that were better than me, uh, players better than me, but they didn't believe in themselves, or there was something wrong in their character. Uh, they never really made it because Uh, just was something there they had better style and I did and everything but you find the same with the Lord and that's why the word of God is is so important we can't get familiar with it Uh, he is the word of God and the heavens and the earth have passed away but his word doesn't
0: yeah no it's very profound what you've just said I'm going to come back to this but let me just get a little bit more about you because in 1995 you established the the Victory Life Center and in doing that you also started to reach soon after reaching out to the poor how many tons food do you supply the poor of Perth with each week just tell me it's it's going to surprise a lot of people but they need to know this because a lot of people think oh Pastor Margaret she's a very spiritual woman she's not doing very much practically my goodness me it's the reverse tell us that tell us how many tons
1: well uh, Warwick, I think when we started out, we started with one fridge and a few boxes. Uh, and 20 years later now, we're putting out 85 tonnes of food a week into community. And we've got also a, an outlet down in Kwinana, which is a very working class factory area. We Also got one up in Forest Field. Uh, so we, we also work with quite a lot of agencies. We don't charge anything. Uh, we, we put out to thousands of families across the city, and uh, Centrelink uh, work with us. They send about 80 cent of, 80% of their people to us. So, um, you know, it's quite a, an evangelistic area also, because when the Lord first gave it to me, uh, he said, you bless community, I'll bless you. And it's all about souls. But we get all types of people in there, and we don't turn anybody away. So uh, we help where we can help. And you know if people haven't got housing, we we phone agencies that do. we try and help people wherever we can, physically, spiritually, uh, in you know in every way that we can.
0: Wow, that's just an incredible story. And, and again, congratulations to you, and you've got a great team that stands behind you and helps you do it. So, God bless you, and God bless that wonderful team. You've written six books, six books, and yeah. three uh, are very interesting titles: "Train Your Brain," "Spirit of a Champion," and "A Winning Life." There's a message there, isn't there? Yeah,
1: it's been about my life, uh, really, and having uh, to walk through. And uh, because many, many years ago, before I even started the church and I went to Bible school back in 1982 and 83 and I had four young children under eight and uh, I went through depression and uh, life wasn't worth living, great husband uh, but he was away a lot up at our farm and I just found it difficult and I went through a lot and wrong teaching, things like that but it was through Bible school that I found how the Word of God and renewing my mind and taking God's word as medicine and finding out that it was life and health to you. Uh, my whole life changed. I was healed and in the second year of Bible school. So, you know, you write, you write out of that and you find that, uh, uh, you know, just training your brain. And, and I always think Warwick, uh, if I had known some of these things when I was playing sport and I think I would have won six Wimbledon's not three and uh, because that was your area that you battled in and so then you find in life it doesn't matter what you go through we go through sickness whether it's finances uh, with depression uh, fear whatever it is it'll all come back to your the area of your mind and God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but a power and love and a sound mind, and so we we learn to meditate the word, just like Joshua, uh, there in Joshua one. The Lord said, "Let not my word depart out of your mouth. Meditate in it day and night. Observe to do all that is written within, and I'll make your way prosperous." So it really goes back to God's word.
0: Yeah, no, it's true too. It's very true. You have a deep passion for prayer, and we've worked together for many, many years now promoting prayer here in Australia and around the world. Why are you so passionate for prayer?
1: Well, I think when I first, I I became a born again Christian when I was number one in the world in tennis. I had fame, great husband, had everything, uh, but I knew there was something missing in my life. And I came from a Catholic background. I would go to church every Sunday, even when I was overseas, but I just found god where are you i didn't know you i was reaching out to him and uh, i i just found uh you know reaching out to him he started to reveal himself to me and i went along to a meeting and gave my heart to christ and warwick when i i got born again uh, nobody really i said the prayer but nobody laid hands on me the power of god hit me I even started to speak in that heavenly language. Um, And, you know, nobody took me through that prayer. I got the lot and I had a real encounter. And then I didn't know the Bible. Nobody, I was from a Catholic, I didn't own a Bible. And I went back on the tennis circuit. But I knew that heavenly language and, and I used to pray in it. And then when I did start to know the Bible, I knew the power in it. Uh, you know how it strengthens you, how it refreshes you, how it makes you much more sensitive to the spirit of God. Uh, so I, I learned all those things even before uh, I had a Bible and I started to read and learn and know about it and it changed my life and then uh, as I went through Bible school I learned so much more about prayer and particularly from a Brother Kenneth Hagen and how the power of it and how it... Uh, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for the sick. We need to pray for souls. So I just in my life uh, started to pray a lot and uh, You know as I often talk to you and I start to cry for my nation um, I had a love for my nation when I played tennis um, You know the Australian flag would go up and and I used to say to people I love my nation uh, back then, and the flag would go up, and I'd have goosebumps on me. And uh, you know, I pray for my nation. And I, I have Got a worse, say the nation, <laughs> I start crying. So, <laughs> anyhow,
0: I'm crying. It's with always
1: you. been there, and I think hmm. since a little girl, because we had a Anzac service uh, last Sunday, and we had uh, Jim Wallace do it. And he was talking about a mateship and I had to get up and follow him after. And and there was a man there from uh, the SAS who had lots of medals. And uh, when I was up there after, it was funny, I had a picture of a, a little girl. I probably would have been about the age of four. And where I lived in Aubrey, we were on the freeway there. And we, uh, there was the Bandiana and Bonnie Geller, which were the army barracks out there and I the, i got a picture of this as I was standing up there as a little girl I was standing and the army trucks used to come by and uh, they used to throw out wooden snakes to us and wooden toys and I came from a family that had nothing and we used to every week wait for those army trucks to come through and to throw out the toys to us and we would get so excited and I look back and I think even as a little girl, the, uh, the Lord placed on my heart to, to honour the service, to honour what, what people fight for our country, um, you know, and, and, and that's always been there, Warwick. So, uh, you know, and I appreciate that and I appreciate my nation and love my nation. And, and uh, you know, this is a great south land of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just see if the church realises the power, the authority she carries with the word of God, that we pray the prayer, that we stand together for our nation. Uh, God's waiting for his church, his armed forces, uh, to stand together in that, as Jim Wallace mentioned, in that mateship, to stand for our nation. We bring heaven to earth. This nation was, uh, had 70, 80% Christian once. There's no reason why that can't happen again and uh, why we can't see salvation to our nation, why this is a lighthouse nation to the world. And, uh, you know, the nations are looking at this nation and that's why this election is so important. And I'll say again, we do have a, a Christian man at the top and I know we don't look at an individual, but I think it's much bigger than just our nation in this one. We're looking at the nations of the world, who, who is going to be best qualified uh, to be our representative, to stand in this time against the nations of the world, because we see what's happening in Ukraine, we see what's happening in uh, China and the Solomons. Uh, who's going to represent us? We need to get outside the box of ourselves and look at the world at the moment. Uh, we are a watchman. We are a lighthouse nation. And this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Even if, as the church, stand together, call that, declare it and decree it. It's not, to me, really about individuals and independence and Christians and everything. I think we're looking... Warwick in this season at something much bigger that God is wanting to do than than we. Uh, But we pray and we plead the case just like in Numbers 14, 17 there that Moses and Aaron did for their nation and the nation needs to come to repentance, to forgiveness because we haven't honoured God, we haven't honoured his word, we haven't allowed that reverential fear, the awesomeness of God and to stand together in that mateship, in that fellowship together for a love for our nation and to plead the case and to stand in the gap. And uh, you know, he does say, the heartfelt prayer of these righteous availeth much. And when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. We are a very blessed nation compared to so many nations of the world. But I, I feel even the church and the people It's become like things, a me, and a my, and self. Instead, of wanting such a great outpouring of God's awakening, his revival uh, upon the nation. We need to turn our hearts and minds back to him, what he really wants in this time.
0: Well, you've got me crying, Um, (laughs) you know, uh, talking about the nation. You start crying, I start crying. By the way, uh, this often happens when the phone, doesn't it, when I ring you? And and you start talking about the nation and I just begin to weep and you're weeping because we really love our nation. We want to see this nation do well. We love the people of this nation, black, white, yellow, brindle, whoever, whoever they might be. We love everybody. Is that right, Pastor Margaret? I'm just making that confession now because some people paint you and I uh, as haters. Homophobic haters and this hater and trans hater and this one hater, but you you have given your self with how many tons of food each week again? Just forgot eighty five. What is it?
1: Eighty five tons of food a 85 week.
0: Eighty five tons of, of food going out from this woman's church to the poor people of Perth. My goodness me, there's no restrictions on who gets that food. That food is for everybody. And that's Pastor Margaret's heart. And certainly it's my heart, too. I've had all sorts of people living with me, Pastor Margaret. I've had a young man with AIDS. Many people would say he's a homosexual. I don't look at people as this or that. I look at them as as future sons of God, future daughters of God, and people that God loves, made in his image. And, uh, you know, uh, prostitutes living with us in a little family back in the 80s. And we were reaching out to jailbirds and guys who were in, you know, drugs and we just love people. And that's why we're praying for our nation. Is that right, Pastor Margaret?
1: That's right. And I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said then in Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap with, with joy. And, and, you know, when we sow in tears and also about prayer, there's intercession, travail. You know, I, I feel the church has got to get back into that place to cry out for her nation. God's mercy upon it. And God loves all mankind. It doesn't matter what background you're from, who you are. And uh, I was talking to a Muslim man just a, a week ago and I just I said to him, he came to church actually, and uh, I just said to him, and he said, I'm a Muslim. I said, yeah. And uh, I said, always one thing we remember. There was only one blood that was shed. Muhammad never shed his blood. Hinduism never shed blood, any other uh, religion never shed blood, but Jesus Christ shed his blood. He's a very own blood. Co- own blood, I had covenant to bring us into that covenant, just like marriage is a covenant, Warwick. And that's why if you look at the Bible, a family is all through the Bible, but God loves all mankind. It doesn't matter where they've been, what they've done, their background. But it's all because we come into that covenant with him. He's blood covenant and we shed it for all mankind. And, and I think, you know, we, we can move away from that. We forget our covenant. And family is from the beginning to the end. That's why the church family is so important. Mateship, fellowship. And I th- always feel we have an enemy. He comes to kill and destroy and defeat. And uh, he always is trying to divide. He's trying to always bring a splinter somewhere within the church that we don't respect and honour one another. And, uh, you know, even building a, a prayer tower, people get jealous of it. People think this and that. No, it's a Perth prayer tower, it's for our nation. And uh, that God told me to build it, and it doesn't matter what anybody says, it's his prayer tower. And uh, it's a statement of faith, and we connect worldwide. Now we're praying and linking together all over the world from prayer, prayer towers. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, no, God's bringing the world so much closer together. He's wanting a, a wonderful outpouring, not just in our own nation, but the nations of the world. He's bringing us closer together. Mm. And I it's a do- bit like, you know, we look at, we look at war happening. It's like the nations are just so close together in this, and that's what technology is doing. And uh, we need to use that technology also, just like we're doing today, uh, that we can pray, stand together. Uh, The enemy thinks, you know, when he divides, even through COVID, but no, technology, uh, we're saying the same thing, we're hearing the same thing, but we need to be saying God's word in this time over our nations and crying out mercy for our lands Uh, and God will never disappoint us. He's the same yesterday, today and forever.
0: Amen and amen and amen. So Pastor Margaret and myself work closely. We also work closely with all the different prayer um, movements and and groupings across Australia and all the different churches. Uh, We're in contact with high level people in the Catholic Church, Anglican Church, Pentecostal Church. And our goal is to bring people together to pray and fast. And right now, we have started 21 days of prayer and fasting for Australia. Now, why is prayer and fasting so important? Because a lot of people know how to pray, but fasting seems a little bit maybe old school. We don't need that anymore. You know, that's a bit religious. But I believe in the power of prayer and fasting. Why do you think prayer and fasting is so important?
1: Well, if you look throughout the Bible and right through uh, the Bible, always there was prayer, spirit and the word, even Jesus. He went off to be with the Father. Gethsemane. uh, He there, he cried out to the Father. He saw you and I through the cross. Uh, He saw mankind. That was his destiny, to go to the cross. And uh, he cried out, you know, even when there was drops of, of blood coming out of his skin. And, but it was prayer, crying out to his father that uh, brought salvation to the world. And uh, as for fasting, it's a type of prayer also. But we decrease and it makes us more sensitive to the spirit of God. And uh, you know, our flesh always wants to dominate us. But when we fast, we put the flesh under also. And we're doing it as a sacrifice to prayer. It's a form of prayer. And it's important that uh, we decrease and he increases. We're not sufficient in ourselves to think anything of ourselves. We're here as his army on the earth. We're here as that mateship again to stand for our nation. God's waiting for us to move. Uh, He's done everything he did at the cross for you and I. He fulfilled everything at the cross for you and I to walk in the fulfilment of it. When? Now? Why? To fulfil his will in the earth. We often say that prayer, "Let, let it be here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, God's waiting for us to bring from the unseen into the scene because we're not fighting flesh and blood and even this election is not about flesh and blood we we've we're fighting principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and uh, they want to bring deception in the earth well deception started in the beginning when adam and eve ate of the fruit in the garden they were deceived but before that they walk with god they talk with god they had fellowship with god jesus christ came in into the earth brought us back into that fellowship with God. And God wants us to tune in. It's like we have a direct line, we have a a telephone to him, just like we're talking to one another. He's wanting us to talk to him in this time. He knows our life. We've got the Holy Spirit within us and he wants to direct us. And all we have to do is be obedient in this time. And it's all about obedience. Adam and Eve wasn't obedient, deception came. And he's just wanting his church in this time to be obedient to his word and, and to the unctions of the Holy Spirit. He's very real today, just like in Genesis God spoke, the Holy Spirit hovered and performed the word. Holy Spirit's waiting today to perform his word. In Psalm one hundred and three twenty, the angels are hearkening unto the voice of our words. They want to take forth our words. That's why words, Warwick, are so powerful alive and living, whether they're good or bad. And that's why well, he's waiting on his church.
0: Words are very, very powerful. You mentioned uh, this idea of praying through the cross. Now, I've been following Jesus now for 52 years, 53 years. And I've never heard that phrase before. Uh, and you shared it with me three four years ago. And it really hit me uh, that we have to pray through the cross just just for a couple of minutes just share why it's so important for us to pray through the cross
1: well you know because when jesus christ came into our our life the holy spirit came into our life and we became righteous not self-righteousness but we took on his righteousness it's a wonderful gift it's by grace through faith which there's a galatians two twenty says i've been crucified with christ nevertheless i live the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god and he took us where the day we gave our heart to christ will be never more righteous it's a gift we don't earn righteousness it's by grace through faith so we're already seated in heavenly places by grace through faith that's why he saw you and i through the cross he took us there We're seated with him. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We're seated with him. And that's really our position where we pray from. We're looking down, we're not looking up. So he took us with him. And uh, we're in these earthly vessels which try to control us and hold us. But our spirit being, our human spirit, we are spirit, we live in a body and we have a soul. Our spirit is wanting to pray from the throne room. He's already placed us there. And so we are throne room people. And so we want to bring heaven to earth. And that's why we pray the word of God. It's so powerful. And the cross fulfilled everything and did everything. So we don't earn it. It's by grace. It's already been given to us. And Thank he wants to bless us abundantly here on earth. We bring, we bring him back. And uh, he's waiting for his church
0: you know it's interesting uh, and look 100% and, and and certainly you've helped me by the way personally and I'm believing by people listening today they'll you'll be also help them in their prayers to pray for the cross but it's interesting because 22 years ago my wife and I started having communion every day and I was looking back uh, just to reflect in the 2019 election how we prayed and you felt from the lord to encourage people to Celebrate communion for 21 days. Now, as it happens, I had forgotten that. Right? That sounds funny, but I'd forgotten that. And because we're also praying for America, you and I know that America is a key part of God's plan. And yes, it's very much like Australia. It's rebellious. It's sin-soaked, and it's corrupted. But Jesus' blood is bigger than and America's sin. Jesus' blood is bigger than the sin of Australia. So I independently of you, um, have put a call out for people around the world to have communion each day for America. But as it happens, with our we have nightly prayer calls and every time we have a prayer call, we finish it with communion. So we will be doing communion for 21 days, no, actually 31 days, because we're going to keep praying right through to the end of the month. Uh, that's the Cam declaration team. The, the election's on the 21st, but we'll keep on praying because we're also praying for souls to come to Christ. Praying for Go 20, uh, which is a worldwide outreach to see a billion people come to Christ. But it's interesting because here we are again, and we are again uh, celebrating communion. Why is communion so important? I guess it's a bleeding obvious because in, in a sense, you've just talked about praying through the cross and we've been talking about praying for the cross. But why is it so powerful for us to take communion for our nation at this time over these next 21 days?
1: Well, I believe as a a body uh, and standing together, we're doing something uh, together that's so important. We're in agreement. The Lord said two or more agree on any one thing it's done. Uh, Communion, when we bring up our remembrance of him, what he really did for us, what his flesh did, uh, what his blood did for mankind. And I, I believe we're bringing together how powerful that we stand together united in that because he loves people he died for all mankind and we need to bring to remembrance what he did what he fulfilled for us going down into to to hell for three days and nights and uh, then uh, the resurrected christ and we've been resurrected with him and we bring, always bring bring to remembrance because it's nothing about us it's what he did and fulfilled for you and i and taking of his flesh uh because his body uh, represented every sickness in the world the 39 stripes his blood was for forgiveness of sin and uh, you know when you gave your heart to christ that blood wiped our past out as far as the east is from the west and we got to move on because so many christians live in their past and it holds them captive he said no i i took your sin and and so he took us we're seated with him he made us righteous and that's why that righteousness deals with sin consciousness guilt unworthiness condemnation inferiority that we're made in the image of he as he is so we in this world we are spirit beings and when we do die and we're finished in this world to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord so the cross had such a significance of our christian life and uh, just like you, uh, I take it every day, uh, Warwick, and it, it's a part of my life that uh, he saw you and I through the cross. He did it for all mankind. Hmm. His promises are ours, yay and amen. And that promise was fulfilled. It was in the Old Testament, and and at that at that time, the New Testament, the Old Testament was fulfilled and jesus paid the price for all mankind so we can walk in his grace we're not under the old covenant we're in the new covenant and uh, we uh, i mean we just have so much to be thankful for and to worship and praise him for and uh, that his word is alive and living today and there's a world out there trying to uh, push and to come against Christianity. There's more Christians being martyred today than any time in the history of the church. But the only thing they're really after, the enemy is after, is the word of God. But it never dies, it's always alive, it's living. And so that's why you and I, we carry his word, we carry Jesus Christ and he is the word and he lives today in his people.
0: And remembering the cross when we have communion, Because it's the centre of her faith, it's the it's the B.C. and A.D. time, it split time in two, and the cross is right. still our our foundation, or I should say more more uh, properly, the cross and the blood of Christ. Because without the shedding of the blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. So even in trillions of years ago, quadrillions of years ago, there was god was looking to the future knowing that his son would be slain and that's why it is so important as we finish today um would you like to say a prayer for australia and we can say amen with you and agree with you because our nation needs god let me just say one thing as you i've been i think we're on the same page with this one i've been thinking a lot about our nation like this has been Almost years and decades, we've been praying for our nation. You have been, I have been, many others across Australia have been as well. So it's not as if we're alone. But I've been thinking a lot about it, and I look at how sinful we are as a nation. You know, with with killing ninety thousand babies each year in the womb, uh, and now we're made a law where we can take them as they're born and kill them. So I look at these horrendous things, and I could list a thousand sins, and I'm I've sinned many of those sins myself. So it's not about just the bad people because i've got to i've got to be responsible for my sin but the only hope for this nation is the blood of christ because and that's why this whole idea of play, praying through the cross has been such an inspiration for me and i hope and believe it will be an inspiration for many many people here so i'd like you to pray through the cross lead us in a prayer as you would so we can learn how to pray Through the cross in jesus name for our nation
1: amen father we just thank you we thank you that we are you righteous you made us righteous and we thank you for that wonderful gift by grace through faith father that we're seated in the throne room that you've given to us to look out over our nation and father we cry mercy for our nation we pray for mercy father Father, you always show me like the blood of Jesus, like an umbrella over our nation. We thank you, Lord, that it's over our nation, that there's raindrops of mercy come down on our nation, that the hearts of the people be turned back to you, Father, in this time, that your church, she rises, she be a voice of righteousness and truth and justice. Father, you said when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, when the wicked rule, people mourn. Father, we thank you that be righteous at the helm of our nation. Father, that we can look out from our nation over the nations, Father, that we can have your wisdom, your revelation, your understanding in this time, Father. Father, this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you that you pour out your blessing upon this nation, upon your church. You bring such mateship fellowship together that we stand together united Lord that we be your army that we have on the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth the shield of faith the helmet of salvation the shoes to preach the gospel and the sword of the spirit father and we take that sword in this time father and father that your word comes forth in this nation and we cry out for her father she shall not be found naked she shall not be ashamed We present her to you, Father, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen and amen. So thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of the praying people of Australia. uh, I want to say thank you on behalf of this nation. I want to say thank you uh, not for your tennis grand slams, although we're very thankful for the incredible uh, fame you brought to us in the area of tennis in this nation, but for your perseverance, for your passion, and for your consistency of prayer. And God bless you. And thank you so much again.
1: Thank you, Warwick. And thank you for all that you do also. Amen.